0: Welcome to Bo Deedle's True Crime Story. Boy, we're really getting a lot of listeners. I hear we're up to almost 40,000 every time we do these true crime podcasts. I guess people like to hear the facts and the truth about what's going on. So right now... I'm really honored, because I know this gentleman for a long time, you know, through the years of Don Imus, Imus in the Morning, who loved great authors, and I just can't believe that we never had him on the Ims in the Morning show all these years. We had a lot of fugazes on, but this mm-hmm. is truly a real author that when you pick up his books, you can't put them down. It's really great reading. His name is Nelson DeMille. First of all, let me say hello, Nelson.
1: Hi, Bo. Good to be with you.
0: Okay. How many best-selling New York Times best-selling books have you written?
1: Well, you know, I've got 23 books out, and I think about maybe 18, 19 were New York Times best-sellers. Wait a
0: second. Out of 22 novels, 18 or 19 were New York Times best-sellers? Well,
1: best-sellers, and six of them debuted at number one.
0: Wow, wow. You must be a very rich man there, uh, Nelson.
1: <laughs> now I have two ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, some of your really great books I remember was The General's Daughter. Now, if I remember distinctly, that was turned into a major motion picture.
1: Yeah, that was with John Travolta and Madeline Stowe. And a really great cast. The, the, the movie did very well. It was one of those rare times when the movie actually followed the book. You had some great screenwriters on it. And the movie did well box office, but it did well, you know, what do you call it, critically, too. I was pleased. And most authors are not pleased with the movie that's made out of their book.
0: Well, you know, a lot of times the adaptation yeah. Yeah. isn't uh-huh. as good as what it is. You uh. know, my dear friend Nicholas Pelleggi, who yeah. I talked he's like a yeah. second father to me. You know, his adaptation of Wise Guy turned well. into a great movie when we did Goodfellas. It's all in that screenplay. Yeah. And we know one thing. When you read a book, it's great. But yeah. when they turn it into that screenplay, that's the difference of a great movie or not. And that's a big deal. I know that. Now there's one more important thing people, our listeners, don't know. First of all, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. A lot of people don't know that Mr. DeMille, with all respect to him, is a combat decorated United States Army veteran. Yeah. Where did you serve?
1: Well, I served Vietnam with the 1st Cavalry Division. If you saw Apocalypse Now, that was the 1st Cavalry Division. Oh, I used to make helicopter assaults. I mean, I was 26 years old. i real stupid. And I said, I do. to you a- fly a helicopter? Or- no, no. I was, I was an infantry officer. I led an infantry combat platoon. So they
0: would the helicopters would drop you into a zone, right, exactly. and you would go out and try to uh, right. shoot a tank. Right. right. These insurgents yeah. from the right. north side of Vietnam, right?
1: Right. Yeah. You're getting shot at gets old real fast. i gotta tell you. Yeah, and uh, <laughs>
0: you know, a friend of mine who's been on my show before, Joe Sanchez. Yeah. He's a bit of an author there too. Great retired mm. New York City cop. He was part of the first cavalry also. He
1: was first cavalry. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you know, there was some other things. About you, I always hear this thing about Mensa and all that kind of stuff. What the hell is a Mensa? Well,
1: obviously, Mensa. obviously, I'm not a Mensa. What's a Mensa? Mensa is like you got to you take the test. Usually, it's an IQ test, and if you're in the top two percent of the population, you can join Mensa. There's a high IQ society, but I would not want to retest on that, i got to tell you. Well, I, guess, I guess Bo ain't going to, the only menza I'm going to
0: have is menza-menza, and I'm Italian, menza-menza. Right. But getting back to these, you know, what struck you to start writing like this?
1: You know, and that had to do with the war. I came back out of the Army, and I'd seen combat. So, like, a lot of guys who came back, you know, my generation read the World War Two guys, you know, James Jones, Norman Mailer. We all wanted to write, you know, all the officers who were educated wanted to write the great American war novel. That's what kind of started me off on the writing process. But I, the first books I wrote, though, were police procedurals. A guy named Joe Keller, NYPD, Homicide Cop. They were paperback originals. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I started to do hardcovers. And then I did two books on Vietnam out of my 23. One was Word of Honor, and the other one was called Up Country. And, but what got me into it was the... And I didn't want to work for a living. <laughs> I don't want a boss. I don't want hours, and writing seemed like fit my lifestyle.
0: Yeah, but you know, and then I'm a little pissed off at you there. I'm a little very upset with you, Nelson. You all of a sudden made this fugazi detective. What the hell was wrong with Bo Deedle, a real (laughs) homicide detective?
1: Yeah, I think you're going to be in my next book, Bo. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: brought out a character that is the catalyst of a lot of the books, and his name's John Corey. Was that based on anybody?
1: No, but it was based on so many NYPD and Nassau County, where I live, cops, that I knew, especially Homicide, and and you too. I mean, you know, there's a a New York type with the sarcastic mouth and the New York (laughs) mouth, and this is what John Corey is, and he's very politically incorrect, which played well when I first brought him out 25 years ago, but now I'm getting some pushback from junior editors who don't like this character because he's sexist, he's misogynist, he's this, he's that. Well, yeah, you know, this is who he is. And if you don't want to read the book, don't read the book. Well, you
0: know, that's the problem that I had and have. You know, the type of cop and detective I was in the 70s, 80s, don't play well. Exactly. Don't play well today. And even when we did the movie One Tough Cop with uh, Martin Bregman, right. you know, they had me killing 40 people. I never killed nobody. Yeah. They had me in shootouts and all. Mm-hmm. I said to Marty Bregman, who was the producer yeah. with me, I was an executive. Mm-hmm. Well, this script is not right. And then they had me bangatating my best friend, wise guy I grew up with, his girlfriend. Huh. And I said, I wouldn't. that's not my character. Right. But again, Hollywood, yeah. they bring things up, bring yeah. things down. And Today it's a hard sell. And even we're doing a movie about the Gemini yeah. Lounge in Brooklyn, yeah. famous Gemini Lounge and the Gemini Method, yeah. and a lot of it is not politically correct. Now you gotta watch out mm-hmm. what you say, what you did, and it deters yeah. away from the character that you made, the John Corey character, was a sexist,
1: rough tub drinking right. guy. Right. And that's what he was. That's what he was. That's what the job of the novel is to present it you know, the way it really is. And You know, now you also have the, don't forget the Me Too movement and the defund the police. So a lot of this John Corey stuff, and this is my eighth book in the series, wasn't playing well with the editorial people, but. I said, you know, I know who my fans are. You know, a lot of people west of the Hudson who are going to read this book. John Corey books usually debut at number one on the New York Times list. So I think this is going to hit number one the first week out.
0: Well, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about The Maze yeah. is the new book that's out. Is it number one already?
1: Uh, no, it just came out yesterday. So we're Okay, gonna...
0: we're going to talk about that in a second. But I think the interesting one, I'd like to start with Plum Island. Okay. When well, you brought Mr. Corey out,
1: go ahead. Yeah. And yep. talk
0: about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, Plum Island was the first Corey book, and it was like 25 years ago. Plum Island is Department of Agriculture, Animal Research Center, but there's always been a lot of speculation that they do biological warfare there. So that's where the title comes from and the setting. You know, all my books up to that time were standalone. I had never done a series. And John Corey wasn't meant to be a series, but I wanted to create a character. Like I say, I know so many cops. My uncle was a cop. And I want to create a politically incorrect cop, a hard-driving alpha male type person. And, well, hold uh, on a second, which
0: was the most of us. <laughs> right, so exactly. you're not creating
1: it. Right. It was but, I mean, factual. But on the page, you know, and, and the editors, you know, they bought it. They said, oh, this is, you know, because this is 25 years ago. But like I say, now it's not playing as well as it did. But yet I think it's still going to be number one because we, you know. But when I put the first one out, it wasn't meant to be a series. The fan mail and the sales were so incredible. That my agent and my editor said, let's do a series, let's do a second one, and I said, ah, I don't do series, but then I saw the royalty statements, and I said, you know, maybe, maybe we could do a second one. So the the maze now is number eight, and this guy sells as well. I don't care what they say is happening in the country. What's really happening is still, there's still normal people out there who're going to read this kind of stuff. Look
0: at it. when I when I see it. Look at I mean, there are still. <laughs> Now, when I watch on TV, my very dear friend Dick Wolf, yeah. I know for a long, long yeah. time, I mean, he's got every show on TV, yeah. on NBC, Chicago Fire, Chicago Police, Chicago Mercy, Chicago Garbage Man, Chicago everything. Then he's on everything, FBI. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you got my girlfriend there, Queen Latifah, kicking a living crap out of everybody. And and, and and I love Queen. We we put her in the Bone Collector. I thought you did the Bone Collector. No. That was a fire. I don't remember who did it, but I thought you were the author of that one. We did that movie with Marty Bregman. I was one of the producers. Yeah. But now you got Queen Latifah kicking the, the ass out of everybody. That's okay. And when she does it, yeah. and everything like that, right. you got to dance around the political correctness. Then you got East New York. I get pissed off because I was a detective and a cop in the yeah. 7 5, yeah. which was East New York. Now you got the political correctness setting in there. And I'm watching this crap on TV. I says, It's not real, but now there's a whole other side of it, which I feel so horrible for the cops that are out today, where they cannot do their jobs correctly. Anything they do, they're being magnified. The advent of these stupid cell phones, they love to take the second half after someone smacks a cop, spits his face. Then the second part, they videotape, put it online, cop is fired, cop is sued. I mean, it's 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 bad out there, you know, Nelson. You you've been around as long as me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's disturbing. Yeah.
1: It is disturbing because you know, I mean, we grew up at a time when you know, police were respected, police did their job, and there was nobody looking over their shoulder. And, uh, and the bosses were, you know, had the cops back. Too. Yeah. And uh, a lot of these bosses now have become, you know, for political reasons, trying to get ahead, so they're becoming, you know, politically correct too. And you know, it's not—it's not working. Obviously, it's not working. Look around. Mm. You see what's happening all over the country. Every city is—you know—is mm. in a state of chaos, and the criminals don't care anymore. And the cops are saying, you know, hey, I'm not going to put my butt out there and get oh. sued or get shot. You, you know? know, I worry
0: about—I worry about your daughter, right? Yeah. Your daughter, my kids. I have three yeah. grandchildren. I yeah. worry about them because. I mean, we're on the back nine of the uh, golf course right now, <laughs> you and I, and what the future is going to lie there for them, it's that terrible. But let's stay with the most interesting thing, because this case, to me, is I've been around it for a long time, looking at it from different things. There were some ideas about the police chief that was arrested and convicted of right. beating a guy up, that he was possibly the culprit behind right. the Gilgo Murders. Now, to bring people into this, the Gilgo Beach murders have been going on for several years, Mm -hmm. and it turns out to be a lot of them were prostitutes that were called girls that were being called outs and all that. And now this book, The Maze, and I want you to bring it in because I want everybody to buy it because when you sit back on a weekend, don't watch the stupid boob tube. Mm -hmm. Read a good book, and this maze is exciting. I haven't read it yet. But I know about it, and I want you to tell me more about it because I will read it. And please, let's start with it. It's based on the Gilgo Beach murders. Yeah, the story. Gilgo
1: Beach murders, and they are—it's uh, so hard to believe that they're 11 years old now. Last year, Newsday, Long Island Newsday, ran a front-page headline that said, "10 years, 10 murders, zero suspects." So now we're in the 11th year of this thing. There were 10 young ladies found in different states of decomposition. I guess you would say. No, Beach. decomposition decompositation. Decompositation, thank yeah. like you. And they'd been put in the brambles, so they, that's why nobody saw them. But they found one by accident and then another, and, and 10 of them turned up. And some of them were ID'd through DNA and dental, and they were sex workers, as we say, prostitutes. And so it was assumed that they all were. So somebody obviously was killing, you know, it had to be like one or two people, but they were all, all wound up in the same area.
0: Mm-hmm. So this
1: is obviously, Gilgo Beach was a dumping ground. People now have speculated. Now, have to understand,
0: Gilgo Beach rides along with Jones Beach, Robert Moss. It's just a very desolate area. Yeah. You could drive for miles and you see nothing. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and also it's on Fire Island, mm-hmm. which is kind of, kind of trendy, and it's not too far from the Hamptons, which, you know, is the Hamptons. So... There were no. There was very little forensic evidence there, uh, and you would appreciate this. I mean, these decomposed bodies. And they were new. There was just nothing there. Well,
0: the question now, you know, I'm not that familiar with it, but I just what I read was there any evidence that was recovered that would be put it to the same person? Like, in other words, on the decomposed bodies, was there evidence that marked that it there was some sort of a similarity?
1: No, actually, and it was hard to know how they died, too, because there was no—the mean—you couldn't find, like, you know, fractures or, you know, cranial fractures. So they were either strangled, maybe, or, or drug overdose, something like that, or they were suffocated. Now, people have
0: to understand, when the body is so decomposed— there becomes a time where even toxology cannot yeah. define exactly the cause of death, right. and that's when we have what they call cuppies. Cuppies means that it, it, it's a funny terminology. Yeah. I don't even know if they're still using it, but that means that you couldn't determine the cause of death, and on a homicide there is no statute of limitation on it, right. so it's left open until we find out who murdered that person, but definitely they were murdered. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, they had to be murdered. They didn't,
0: and- they didn't just take a walk and take right. a bite, right? <laughs> right. That, also,
1: that wasn't a coincidence that- Ten people, ten young ladies who were found in the same area. So, you know, the Suffolk County Police um, uh, homicide, I'm sure, did the best job they can. They're not used to this kind of stuff. The FBI was brought in, and you were mentioning— Well, the- I,
0: had an, I had an investigation with yeah. my friends, not the new Suffolk County Police, but the yeah. old one. Yeah. guy was stabbed like 16 times, and he made it as a suicide. <laughs> suicide. Yeah, yeah, and I, I said, ah! So— the- the Nassau County cops, the detectives there, yeah. a lot, a lot better. But and it yeah, comes well, into Nassau County. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, right. And I don't want to say too much because I visit Suffolk County a lot. That's where. You yeah, know. let's unlock this. Well, and the chief
0: of police there, yeah, Rodney yeah. Harris, a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I and Rodney jumped out on this. Rodney yeah. Harris is a great cop, and I'm sure that it's been enhanced since Rodney Harris has been
1: out. Yeah, up. that's the thing. The case, as you say, is because it's a homicide, it's not, not a cold case. It's been very active for uh, 11 years now. Mm-hmm. If somebody knows what happened. When you have no clues, no forensic, no toxology, that's when you have to start talking to people. Mm-hmm. If somebody knows mm-hmm. what happened, and yet they every time mm-hmm. they did something, they thought they were onto something. It was a dead end, dead end, dead end. So, anyway, I found it fascinating. You know, as a, as a novelist, I'm sure you found it fascinating as a homicide cop. So I decided, you know, I'm going to write a book about this. I'm going to fictionalize it, which is what I did this the This is now the
0: book that has just come out called right. The Maze, M-A-Z-E. Go well,
1: ahead. I did some research. I talked to a lot of cops, especially retired. They'll talk much easier than active duty. And, you know, it seems... Yeah, you know, there was some suspicion, as you say, with the police chief out there, because he kind of stonewalled the FBI. He didn't want them on the scene. They said it was a turf thing, but now people said no, because he had something to hide. And the police chief had a kind of a background of some kind of ethical problems and moral corruption. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, found with some bulldozers right. and stuff. <laughs> right. he was some found...
0: devices.
1: Right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> some some he broke into his SUV. I didn't know it was the police chief's SUV. In was, His magic right, bag right, there. He, he had the he, little right.
0: activation right. devices. <laughs>
1: right, he found the police chief's you know bag of sex toys and. So anyway, then they they caught the guy who, who actually robbed the police chief's car without knowing it was police chief's car, but the police chief—I'm not going to mention any names—but I can mention name was James Burke. So he beat up this prisoner in jail, and that's how he went to jail. And, and then, then, he, then
0: my friend Tom, the DA—I know Tom very right, well—and right, the then he yeah. covered it up, and yeah. then the cover up becomes worse than the right, crime.
1: Right, exactly. And he—you know—I think he spent time too. So there was Spoda. some corruption. Tom Spoda, Spoda, right, yeah. Tom Spoda. You know, there's corruption out there, and it was kind of interesting to me because this kind of corruption you you, know, you equate with urban areas, but this is like, you know, a very nice county of very nice people. And, I got a house out uh, there, too. And you got a house I out there. I love Summit County. And it was kind of affluent in some ways, educated, uh, but the corruption was like real inner-city kind of corruption. So that's probably what the book is about, too. And the title of The Maze has two meanings here. One is that the maze of corruption at all different levels, police, judicial, and political, And the other one is that there was an actual hedge maze in the book at the end. I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but there's a...
0: No, let them read it. Yeah, but there's
1: a a great shootout scene in the hedge maze at the end of the book. There's something like, you remember The Shining? Oh, yeah. They ran around the hedge maze. I always found that fascinating. To get get into a hedge maze at night and have somebody with a gun trying to kill you is kind of... I gave away a little too much, but but, um, people buy the book anyway. So, you know, did I come to any conclusions? No, not really. I mean... I'm a stymied but I'm not I'm not trained, but I you know, I'm kind of a, a reporter in a way. I've done research on a lot of books. But at the end of the day I couldn't come up with anything other than to get back to the police chief who had some ethical problems and had some moral problems with women. he you know, been abusive of women before. So it's possible but Well, yeah, you well, yeah know.
0: until until you know, me as a detective, until we find out who did right. it. Everyone's a suspect.
1: Everyone's a suspect. And I,
0: I even when I looked at the John Bonet case, yeah. you know, when they, when the DA came out and eliminated the mother and the father while she was still alive, yeah. I said, "How the hell could they do something like that?" Even with the brother, and yeah. there was a big thing with the brother, and yeah. I have my own theory about that. One yeah. day. We'll do a novel on that. We'll probably be both sued for my opinions. But my point is that... So let's go back. So you made the book so it's really riveting where it brings us inside the investigation by the police, also the whole thing with the political aspect and all
1: that. Yeah, and John Corey in this book is... He's medically retired. He was shot in the line of duty. So he's acting sort of as a private investigator in in this book. When you base a book on a real thing, you got to either... You know, you are trying to fictionalize it, but you want to stay close to the truth. Yeah, and there's so much written about this after 11 years. I had to really, I had to really pick and choose what I wanted to show. And uh, but at the end of the day, you have to be entertaining. I think the book is entertaining, and uh, I think it'll, you know, bring. Hopefully, it might bring some focus back on this case. You know, I was. When I was writing the book, it takes a while to write it and it takes a while for the publisher to publish it. Yeah. I'm saying, God, I hope they don't solve this case before I finish the book. Yeah. I don't want this case solved until I finish the book. They can solve it now because the book is out. But uh, well, you And know, yeah, he- now, today, coincidentally, there is a possible suspect that they found in Mississippi. Wow. I didn't read the whole story, I just got it over, the, over my cell phone. Wow. They have somebody, actually, somebody somebody's passed away. They think he may be he may have been the murderer and they found uh, apparently he was living in Mississippi
0: I've been uh, you know' been known in a lot of the cases when a dead man tells no tales yeah. they like to pin and close out a lot of cases with a dead guy <laughs> so
1: and drunken. yeah let's
0: close this case let's close yeah. this case out. that's my experience right. with the homicides <laughs> you know the only thing is that I think a great novel is a great novel yeah. whether it's based on loose facts or facts yeah. A riveting novel somewhere, you're reading it, you stay into it, and you want to turn that page. That's the difference between a great novel. Now, if you want to do a, a book on a factual book, it's not as interesting as a novel yeah. in the sense that the this, keeping your attention on to that, reading, turning that page.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you can take liber- liberties, you can take literary license and dramatic liberties. And, you know, it's up to the reader to say, okay, we know this is, a, You know, and I always say at the beginning of the book some of this is based on fact and some of the people represented are, you know, real, but I've changed the names. You always say this. And, you but know, it's a fictional It's book. fictional, you know. Yeah.
0: It's under the, it'll be number one on the New York Times fictional bestseller. <laughs> Fiction, right, not nonfiction.
1: Okay. And, you know, you don't want to get sued. Everybody wants to sue everybody today. But, yeah. uh, But you yeah. know, I think at the end of the day this case was you know it became national news too, as you know, because they did two documentaries on it. There's been some nonfiction written about it. Yeah. and it's funny how New York cases, which really are local in some ways, become national because it's New York. And but it was just such a fascinating case, and every unsolved mass murder like that, serial killer kind of case. Mm-hmm does become national news.
0: You know, the the important thing in this case that I remember vaguely, like, as I said, I really did not investigate it myself, but the the thing that kept popping up was the, the majority of the women that were killed well, call girls, Yeah. prostitutes. In yeah. the fact, I mean, that's a common denominator. Right. That someone was calling them. Someone, something happened in a motel hmm. in Nassau County or something. I just vaguely yeah. remember.
1: There was that, and then also there was a local resident of, of Fire Island who was an MD. When she was calling for help, right? Yeah, apparently she had serviced him, and she was leaving the house and calling for help. So this is an obvious suspect. And then she disappeared. And nobody ever saw her again. So he so, was the so last person. So in other words, she
0: serviced the client. Yeah, right. She leaves, and then obviously someone must have been watching her right. that eventually killed her. Or well,
1: it could have been the client. That's the other thing. Right. I mean,
0: or it could have been the Martians, too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. But then the ME said it, it appeared that she died of natural causes, that she got lost on you know on a bramble on the beach. I mean, how does a young woman... Who does this for a living? You got to be in some kind of good shape, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did she get lost in the bramble and wind up dying of natural causes? Uh, right,
0: that natural causes with a decomposed body could yeah. mean an overdose. Yeah. You know, we have we have a missing gal. Uh, Lauren Spear out of Indiana University, we still not have not found her. And the reality was that she was we've learned that she was doing all kinds of drugs. She had a heart condition. Uh And we have a lot of theories. And one of the theories is she possibly had a heart attack and then he got nervous and they they got rid of the body. But Mm. these are things that will not come up. In all decomposed bodies would be, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you do forensics, you know, you look at the organs, you look at that, you're able to test it. But if you ain't got no organs, yeah. and then a lot of times it will not right. go into the bone matter, and you won't know what was in that body. Right. So you won't be able to determine if it was an overdose of drugs, too.
1: Yeah, and in this case, too, you know, in most bodies that are found, you know, are fairly fresh. I mean, a you know, murder happened. Yeah. And- this one I one, like really fresh lately. bodies. <laughs> right, I don't yeah. like old decomposed exactly. bodies. You know, I think these bodies—some of them were over a year old. So you know, there was—you know—you had the decomposing bodies. But You also said that there was no forensic evidence. There's no—there's no footprints left after a year. There's nothing. How many years know? did
0: this? But did this go through? Like the.
1: Uh, they think that the bodies were dumped over a period of—I think it's a year, uh, but they were found. The first one was found about 11 years ago. Oh no,
0: that's the point. Yeah. So in other words, these. These bodies, these 10 bodies, yeah. were found from 11, starting 11 years ago, Yeah, that it could have been out there 11
1: years ago. could now. have been, right. Well, well they, they would have been out there a year when they started finding them 10 years ago. Yeah. They think that all the bodies were between, you know, one years old and maybe six months old. They were all about the same time, which is also interesting, What you would appreciate as a homicide detective. They were killed in a, apparently a relatively short amount of time to each other. So, you know, is this a Jack the Ripper who's, getting cold girls and then killing them? Yeah. Was this the mob dumping, you know, but not usually. No. And my character, John Corey, in The Maze, says the same thing you just said. Now the mob wouldn't do this. and no. It was probably a, a single psychopath. And because it happened so close to the Hamptons and Fire Island, which are, you know, affluent and trendy, and yeah. a lot of people were hoping that it was some Hampton billionaire that they they hated. I like that story. Right, exactly, time. you know, so... Somebody who's, you know, got a lot of money and uh, too much time on his hands. And well, I mean, of, look, so. that's
0: not that far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest about <laughs> it. There's a lot of perversion billionaires. Right, uh, right, I.e., my friend with the Little Island down there and, right. uh, that, that Clinton liked yeah. to uh, uh, yeah, frequentate. Right, date. right. Yeah, but this, so now the maze is out there, and you know what, like this storyline, obviously, we got to get you focus and doing some mm-hmm. more movies because some of these books are calling out to make a movie about it. Yeah. Maybe we should think about doing some movies together or
1: something. That'd be great. You know, I mean, you've been in this business as long as I have, and it's very frustrating to deal with Hollywood, as you know. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, yeah, when but, I, we did one tough cop on my life, me killing yeah. 40 people, I said to Marty yeah. Bregman, Hey, I never killed nobody. Why right, are we putting right, yeah. And I never banged my best friend's girlfriend. That ain't my character. <laughs> but you know what? This is what movies yeah. are all about entertainment. And regardless of anything, Nelson. Same as writing, it's entertainment, it's again turning that page, turning that page yeah. when you get somebody involved with that. And uh, so, basically, that's the maze is going to be coming out. And where can people get though, the book?
1: Well, I mean, any bookstore right now and uh, any online retailer like you know, barnesnoble.com and Amazon, obviously, and they put in
0: there the, uh, the maze by Nelson DeMille,
1: right? And yeah. uh, also, it's available as an e book. And if you don't like to read, it's available as an audio book. Are you talking? Are you mm-hmm. the speaker of it? Uh, no, 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 I didn't do it. A guy named Scott Brick. Did it. It's about sixteen hours to read this thing.
0: I'm still uh, a little pissed off at you. Yeah.
1: You know what? You could have Bodineal <laughs> as
0: the detective, not this All guy I, I, Corey. I, I, you know, it's just funny. Our Bo Bodineal true crime story. We're really getting some really. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked about that. Like forty thousand people download this thing uh, every every week, and it's great. And I want to just. Tell all the listeners out there, we have great guests like Nelson DeMille. And Nelson was one guy that I really wanted because I've been following you. And if you guys out there listening, make sure that you download Bo Deedle's True Crime Story wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Pears, whatever whatever way you get a podcast. And, uh, you know, is there anything else you want to add there, Mr. DeMille?
1: No, just that you know the book has just come out, and I got some real competition. I want to, I want to debut at number one. Well, <laughs> so. you know what
0: you could do, Nelson? Is I'm going to read it, yeah, and right. you could already give Bo Dietl, former homicide detective, right. stamp of approval, right. and you could use my name, and gonna, I will uh, promise you, I will read it.
1: We're gonna quote that in the next ad that we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I'll
0: give you a little blurbitation. All right. Riveting detective story novel. Thank you. And I want to thank you so much, Nelson, mm. for coming in. And again, our listeners, remember, Bo Deedles True Crime, wherever you get your podcast. please stay tuned. And again, Mr. DeMille, with all respect, thank you for coming in.
1: Well, thanks for having me.